your Wednesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Final show of the week for those of you scoring at home. Not sure if I mentioned this yet, but taking Thursday and Friday off. Kind of a not a dead spot so much in the sports schedule, but a little bit of a lull. No wild right now. Um, no NFL this weekend as we get ready for the Super Bowl. So I'm going to catch a little time, get a little, get away for a little bit. And uh, be back at it Monday with Patrick Royce. But uh, before that, got a great show today, of course. Um, Chip Scoggins from the Star Tribune joins me here in a little bit to touch on a lot of different things. Um, a lot of Vikings talk still, fascinated by that team's off season. But Chip and I got into a bunch of different stuff. I posed to him a question. I want you guys to think about how you would answer this before Chip does. The year is 2028. Um, it's actually 2023, but imagine it's 2028. So we're five years into the future. You have traveled to that point in time and you've met someone there who, you know, is living in 2028 and they tell you that a Minnesota team, either the wild Timberwolves, Vikings, or twins. And again, not to exclude anybody, but these are the four teams we're dealing with right now. Those four teams, one of those four teams has won a championship since the time that you travel from 2023 to 2028, which team has won that championship in the next five years? Who do you think it is? Chip had an answer. I put him on the spot, um, and I want to know what you guys think as well. Think about what your answer will be, because Chip's answer will be coming up here in just a little while. Um, Got some Gophers women's basketball thoughts and answering a reader-listener question about the NFL draft. First, though, what did I miss Let's start with Minnesota United and this weird, kind of weird space they're in with their star, Emmanuel Reynoso, best player on the team. I know they got some good players besides Reynoso, but he is really the engine that's been driving this team over the past few years. Two-time Major League Soccer All-Star. Um, hasn't reported to camp yet. That's uh, It's an interesting uh, dynamic right now because here we are, it's February 1st, um, training for everybody else started on uh, January 6th. I can't help but notice that was more than three weeks ago. Season starts February 25th. It's really early. The MLS season goes on forever. We talked about that. That's, you know, it's kind of, kind of is what it is. So we're kind of at the halfway point right now between when training started and when the season begins. And still, Reynoso has not shown up to join his teammates with training. Now, um, Adrian Heath, Loon's manager, addressed this a couple days ago. It was an optimistic quote, but didn't necessarily leave me feeling all that optimistic about the overall situation. The quote from Adrian Heath uh, to reporters in a video conference call when they were doing some training down in Orlando was, we're probably a bit more hopeful in the next few days regarding Reynoso coming back to the Loons and starting training here. We spoke to Ray yesterday, so I'm assuming that was Sunday since this was on Monday, and he feels and he feels hopefully we can sort this out and we can get him back here. There's one or two issues he needs to sort out at home. So I know there's all sorts of legal entanglements from uh, arrest for his uh, December 2021 arrest when he was accused of making threats with a gun and beating a minor in his hometown in Argentina. That was his hometown paper that is reported that he could face trial uh, on that. I'm reading from Jerry Zagoda's updated story he's been linked to transfers to various different places um around uh, you know around the around the uh, the country around the globe really um different different places he might go 
to play. So that combined with him not being here does give you the impression of something being amiss more than just the trial here or whatever's going on with his legal situation. I don't know what exactly he wants, what exactly is going on here, but it's it's feeling uh, a little bit like, I don't know if we have a perfect comparison, but it's feeling a little bit like Stefan Diggs when he was just kind of done at a place. And I don't know if that's how Reynoso's feeling. Maybe he's just kind of taking his sweet time because he's got leverage. Who knows what the deal is exactly here. Maybe he will be here by the end of the week. He'll start training. He'll play. Everything will be okay. But something just feels off here. Starting to feel like he's maybe not the world's greatest teammate if he's not here right now. Starting to feel like he is going to reach a point where he is more trouble than he's worth. And that's the Stefan Diggs comparison right there. Diggs, great player, went to Buffalo and has done great there. Um, it was a great trade for the Vikings because they got Justin Jefferson, the draft pick they paid Justin Jefferson. Everybody's happy. But you remember that that situation became untenable. He became more trouble than he was worth because of everything that was going on off the field. So is Reynoso going to get to that point? I don't know. I'm just saying I don't like this situation. I don't like a guy who's been out for almost almost exactly half of training camp now. This isn't Brett Favre who gets to decide when he comes to training camp or when he doesn't come to training camp. This is a player in the prime of his career, the best player on a team, a team that is counting on him. So I will be eagerly awaiting the resolution of this, as I imagine the loons are as well, to see what exactly is going on and what exactly comes of the Emmanuel Reynoso situation. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's bring in Chips Goggins, Star Tribune columnist, joins me here on Daily Deliveries, a fairly frequent guest. Chip, how you doing? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you? I am good. Um, you know, a lot of times when I have you on, I've got one specific thing I want to ask you about, but I feel like we're kind of at a point in, you know, whether it's seasons or off seasons where it's it's kind of like a lot of little things that I want to uh, want to get you on. And one of those things, I think we start with the NFL. We've talked some NFL already this week with Andrew Kramer, but I'm just kind of curious of your impressions is kind of watching the entire playoffs play out now, knowing what we know, the top seeds are in the Super Bowl. What what do you what's the gap to you between the top teams and the Vikings, who obviously were a 13 and 4 team, a playoff team, but how how far how far away are they from being one of these, you know, even one of the final four teams that that, that were competing to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, watching those games this weekend, um, it felt like they are a long ways away. And it's weird to say for a team that won 13 games and won their division and got into the playoffs. But when you watch the defense that is on display this this past weekend with the in the championship games, um, they're not close. <laughs> they're just not uh they have a lot of work to to catch make up ground to those teams on the defensive side i do wonder how they're going to be able to make this work quasi the new gm with uh the constraints they have with the 
salary cap with not knowing, you know, what's the exit strategy with Kirk Cousins? Do you write it out this year? Do you do a um, another short extension to, to give you some relief? Um, but those defenses that were on display shows you how far away they really are. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good kind of where I'm at too, and it becomes it becomes complicated. It's a complicated off season for them. I th- I think it became, and I've talked about this a couple different times. I think it became more complicated because they went 13 and four. Right? If this mm-hmm. would have been a nine and eight team or an eight and nine team, kind of like they've been the past few years, it would have been a lot easier to say, okay, we've been doing this for a while. It's time to really, you know, not maybe not tear it down to the studs because you still got some people you want to build around. But a rebuild becomes easier to fathom or sell when you've been mediocre for so long. And they played, you know, 13 and four was their record. I don't think they played like a 13 and four team, but it does no. make it a little bit more of a challenge to, you know, say, well, we're going to rebuild off of a 13 win season. That just doesn't happen very often. I think, you know, quarterback and defense are going to have been the question for a while now. I, my preference, I think is and it's kind of the it's kind of the do nothing preference but I kind of feel like the way you handle cousins right now is he plays this year but you don't extend him and I know that's going to you know counts 36 million on the cap but that this year is kind of about building the bridge to whatever's next and I just don't feel like he's part of that long-term vision well, I don't think he's part of the long-term vision. Um, and you're right, it is complicated because I think they have to look at this realistically. This season was an outlier. Yes. You're not going to win. You're not going to go 11 and 0 in one score games. That's a complete outlier. Um, you're not typically going to win 13 games with one of the worst defenses in the NFL. That typically doesn't happen. And so I think they have to look at this with a realistic uh viewpoint that they have to turn over that defense and they have to figure out a succession plan for Kirk Cousins. Um the problem they have, Mike, is typically if you want that guy to be your franchise quarterback, you're probably going to be in the need, need to be in the top 10, right? Yes. Doesn't mean you can't get him at 20, 22, but you're better off trying to get into that top 10. I just don't see with the talent they have on offense, this being a four-win team where you bottom out and you get that into that range. Now, can you trade and do things to try to move up? Sure. But that has complications too. And so um, I guess I wouldn't mind if you could get two more years out of Cousins and you select your quarterback, not this draft, but next draft, and you have them take a redshirt season, so to speak. Right. Um, And then you know you're turning it over. If you just let this play out and have a lame duck year with Cousins, you better have a pretty good idea what you're going to do next year because that's – I don't think you want another bridge quarterback. You know, they, they've gone – they've tried that route a couple times. Uh, you would like to find – ideally, if you could get strike gold in the NFL, get a, you know, a standout quarterback who's on a rookie deal and then you can build up everything else. You know, that's not always possible, but, you know, we, we've seen uh, – how that pays off for school for teams when they're able to do it. Um, but I guess I, I, you know, I don't know that <clears throat> Cousins is ready to hit a cliff, <clears throat> but I don't know that you're going to win a championship with him either. And so 
if they had to go two more years with him to buy some time to get that plan to find the guy that they want, I think I would be okay with that. Yeah, I I, I get it. It's just I, I you're not going to win a championship with him, especially not with you know if you look at his timeline, if you look at the defense where it's at, like you would need an awfully special defense in order to win a championship. I think with Kirk Cousins, and obviously you've got some offensive pieces and. You know, it's funny, like I, I talked about this on Tuesday's show, like, you know, there's tools where you can go through and you can make all these cuts and see how it impacts the salary cap. And all of a sudden, hey, they're 30 million under the cap once you do this, this, this yeah. and this. But then, yeah, you also don't have any linebackers. You don't have any like you got to <laughs> like you got to it's like looking at the defense next year. It's fine to think, oh, yeah, maybe get rid of Eric Kendricks. Hey, you know, Zadarius Smith, thanks for thanks for the, the the time here. It was a good, you know, half a season until it it, it wasn't great. But that doesn't change the fact that once those guys are gone, who else plays? The the defense is not going to be good unless they really like it's it's something extraordinary happens. And I wrote wrote about this a couple weeks ago, uh, Michael, at the end of the season that after that, uh, the draft uh, helped me at the year 16 where they had Trey Waynes one 15, uh, 15, Daniel Hunter two and and Eric Kendricks three. They have whiffed so often yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. They've had so many empty drafts on the defensive side that it's, yeah, it's easy to say, get rid of this guy because he makes too much money. Well, what's your alternative? Right. I mean, there's they don't have this young nucleus of players waiting in the wings to take over. They just don't. And so they've had too many empty drafts. And that's where not only does Quasey have to figure out the salary cap and what to do with Cousins and quarterback, he better be a pretty shrewd drafter because they cannot have any more empty drafts on the defensive side of the ball because they have to turn over that that side of the ball and get younger and faster. Yeah, and the not-so-great news is they have four draft picks <laughs> this year, a first, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. I mean, it's 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 going to take a little rabbit out of the hat for them to be – I mean, 13 wins, certainly. That's not, I don't even think that's a realistic proposition unless no. you're, you're counting on something that I'm not counting on. But even to get back to nine or 10 wins feels like it's going to be an accomplishment next year if they are able to do it. With a much tougher schedule. Yes. I mean, look, yes. What I think they play all, all four of the final four teams are on the schedule next year. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds right. And, you know, I don't think they're going to duck all these quarterbacks and they, <laughs> you know, they had what amounted to, I think, nine home games, seven true road games, and then the neutral site game this past year. So a lot of a lot of those things added up to 13 and four. And that's not to take anything away from the things they did to do that for themselves, making those plays in the fourth quarter when they needed to, winning those close games. But there's like about five or six points where you just look and say, that's not sustainable. Um, and, and how does that play out next year? Well, yeah, I mean it's it's a I don't know they got to get they've got to shed at least twenty two twenty three million dollars before the start of the league year. And... Well, I like I, I you know I don't think Adam Thielen will be back. No, um, you can't pay him nineteen. He can't have a nineteen million uh, cap hit. Uh, Dalvin Cook they had the twenty eighth fewest carries in the NFL. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to pay a running back fourteen million dollars in this. System. No, I, I no. don't think Dalvin Cook's back. Um, and then, you know, Eric Kendricks, are you ready to turn over there and find someone younger? So uh, I, I think they can do that. Here's the thing. Now, we, we saw this week that the salary cap is going to go up quite a bit. Yeah, to 224. That, yeah. Yeah, and that's going to help them um, significantly. Um, but Justin Jefferson, a starting point, is going to be $30 million a year with his yes. deal. And Christian Darisoff, he keeps developing like he's uh, on the pace that he is. He's going to be 
command a big time uh, salary, you know, probably a top five salary for a left tackle. So uh, they have some big ticket contracts coming down the way. And so that's where ideally you, you would be able to get cheaper at quarterback without suffering a, you know, a massive drop off in uh, production. And so that's where you have to, Quasi and Kevin O'Connell have to be right on that, you know, on that one position. Yep. I got a question for you that kind of gets to the heart of a lot of the major teams in this town. It's something I think about from time to time. Let's say it's the year 2028. Um, okay. And we're all, sorry, we're all older. We're all, we're all five years older. Apologize. <laughs> I'm for retired that. by then. I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on your retirement. Now you're not that old, Jim. Come on. But, um, I'm I'm going to tell you right now that one of the Vikings, Twins, Wild, and Timberwolves has won a championship here by the year 2028. Which one do you think it is? <laughs> this is this is fairy tale, right? They I, don't mean, win. <laughs> I don't I mean I'm not like yeah we don't win championships uh, but yeah. and I'm not I'm not a time traveler I'm not clairvoyant but I'm telling you this has happened something has happened where one of these teams has won a championship which team do you think I am talking about I would say wild um just because I think the parity in that league is brings the you know doesn't put everybody on equal footing but once you get to the playoffs you know, a team can get hot. Uh, they'll be out of their salary cap hell by then. Yes. <laughs> that, uh, eventually, would, yeah. Eventually, you would hope that. Um, I do think they have some young guys in the pipeline now that you're talking seven or five years down the road, but uh, Kirill will still be in his prime, I would think. Hopefully, Billy Guerin is able to build up the roster with, you know, um, you know, with more money to spend. I just, I, I think that's probably the, the more, the most likely, you know, all those teams have uh, superstars. Yeah. I mean, twins, you know, we can say boxing when he plays, but and Korea, um, I mean, and Korea. Yeah. And I think Korea will still be, you know, he'll be in his prime still. Um, the Vikings, you know, it, it's so hard to project the NFL who's going to be good and bad, you know, from year to year and, and the wolves are the wolves. <laughs> they, they, I know. They know. I know. So I, I'll go, I'll go with the wild. Although I do, you know, you're talking about Anthony Edwards to be 26 then. Yeah. Uh, 26 years old. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy to say he's, he's you know, what right, he's doing right just, now. He's, right. he's 21. He's still, uh, you know, still in the early stage of his career, but I'll go wild. I, I would. Pick okay. Wild. I can go with that. I think the, the parody of the NHL is always a good starting point. If there's not an obvious other, answer and then you factor in Kaprizov and how special he is. I'll, I'll buy that. I, I think a sneaky answer might be the twins too, just because I feel like they're kind of starting to build a base here. They just need, they need that one pitcher, that one starting pitcher, and they've been searching for it forever. And a lot of teams are searching for it forever, but that one guy that just kind of takes your rotation to another level where it's clear that that is your ace, your stopper. If they were ever ever able to either acquire that person, develop that person, maybe that person's already on the maybe that person's already on the roster. I don't know yet. I don't I don't see that person yet. But if they were able ever able to get that, it does feel like they might have the potential to have a year that that ends like that. But again, it's it's a lot of conjecture at this point. 
Yeah. And that's been the big draw, you know, big strike against this regime. Uh, Derek Fabian, they just have not developed um, the pitching in the way that we were led to believe it was going to happen when they were, when they came on here and they've acquired some guys that have, you know, elevated the pitching staff when they're every, healthy. every member of the rotation was traded for. <laughs> that's right but that and that's to me that's the frustrating thing we can talk about having to trade louis rise is i understand you know the logic because you have a plethora of corner players and you need pitching but the fact that they haven't developed and put them in developed their pitching put them in a spot right. where they had to trade one of their most dynamic and popular players to get pitching and that's the frustration part to me and, yeah. and and their unwillingness to go out and spend big money on pitching. That's just not what this regime likes to do. But the fact that they haven't done that or won't do that put them in position where they had a trade arise. Right. I mean, and, you know, you could have imagined them reallocating money in a certain way if the, if the Correa situation had gone, you know, more according to the plan of him <laughs> signing somewhere else. But when, when he came back to them, I guess I can't fault them for what they ended up doing. Yeah, I think the Arise trade is probably a frustration point for a lot of fans just from the just from the standpoint of people like watching him play. Like if you're a fan, yeah. like even if you can like intellectually wrap your head around, you know, yeah, they need a pitching. Yeah, they got a guy, Pablo Lopez, who could be pretty good. Um, Luis Rise is a batting champion. And you know, these days, you know, the value placed on that is is kind of debatable or, you know, is is you know different from person to person. But if you're just a fan, if you like watching twins baseball, that was, that's a hard one to take. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, they put themselves in the position where it's either, or you either right. have them or you're, you're lacking in pitching. Um, you would hope that they would be in a position where it's both. You can keep your eyes and still upgrade your pitching staff, you know, through one way or another. But again, because they haven't developed, uh, done a good enough job right. developing them uh, so far that they've had to build their starting rotation by getting guys from other staffs, by trading away assets uh, to get those guys. And so um, that to me is the disappointing thing. And yeah, and, and you know, Arise is one of those guys you love to watch hit. I mean, he's right. entertaining when he's, you know, all the gyrations and all the stuff right. he does in there and just a professional hitter in a time when it's feast or famine, it's strikeout or yes. home run. It's nice to see a guy take a professional at bat. It is nice to have a little variety in the lineup. They don't seem like they always have a lot of that of chip you brought up Anthony Edwards. Maybe that's a place for us to finish. Um, he was good again the other night, but they lost in overtime. Some, some turnovers from Ant in the last couple yeah. of games that, that hurt. Did, what did you make of him not taking questions post game? That was an interesting one. Cause he's never one doesn't usually seem to be one who's at a loss for words, but he seemed frustrated. Yeah. I mean, that, that to me is a guy who was frustrated. Um, I'm guessing probably because of the turnovers. You know, and that's part of his evolution, Mike. I mean, yeah. when when you're the guy, this is going to be you're going to get a lot of questions, and you're going to be the face of it. And I think he's um, really done a commendable job. Once Towns went out, filling into that franchise guy. Oh yeah, and absolutely. He's become he's become a star. I mean, like uh, you don't see as many lulls in his game. You no. see him being assertive. Um, more and not having those kind of off nights um, defensively. He's been good. Uh, he wants the ball in his hands. So now to me, how does Towns assimilate back if and when he comes back? That to me, because I'm sorry, this is Anthony Edwards' team now. It is. 
It is. And I don't know how, I don't know where Towns fits in because, you know, Monday night game aside where they didn't really close how they wanted to. Um, I've, you know, and we all have our feelings about D'Angelo Russell and he did not have a good game the other night, but he's been largely very good and kind of that starting closing lineup with Edwards and D'Lo and Kyle Anderson and Jaden yep. McDaniels and Rudy Gobert. Um, unless the other team goes with five uh, five non-centers and Gobert gets played off the floor like he should have been the other night, uh, that's been a pretty good closing lineup and it gives them a certain amount of versatility and, I, and Kat's a versatile enough player, but it, it is, it's, it's hard for me to imagine where Kyle Anderson's minutes go specifically when Towns comes back. Well, and Kyle Anderson has been terrific. What, what a I'm great saying. pickup yeah. for them. Yeah, I mean, do you want him playing a lot less? I don't. And do, do you want... Anthony Edwards defer into cat at this point? No, I don't. Um, and D and D low, you know, listen, I'm, I'm among the many that said they should trade him. He's been hot for a while now. And he had a tough yeah. night against Sacramento right. tonight, but um, he's played well. And maybe that just elevates his trade value. I don't yeah. know, but, but he, he has been good for him. Um, so I'm curious to see how this works because listen, Towns is still a terrific player. Yeah, um, he's still you know a big part. I would think of what they're trying to do, and you want to see more of him with Gobert. But it has the potential to be clunky when he oh, comes yeah. back. Oh yeah, um, I think it absolutely will be. I just I don't, it was when he left, so why would it be any different when he comes back? And is he willing to kind of fit in, or does he want to come back and be the guy again? And when and is he coming is, back? Yeah. Well, that's your thing. <laughs> That's why I said if and when. Um, I, I it's been so quiet and hush hush from the team that you don't yeah. really know, and he hasn't been around, so it's hard to know. Yeah, what exactly? I know Chris Hine from a paper had the thing from the social media post from that he Twitch made. Stream, that, yeah, yeah. Which he made it sound like he was a little frustrated with how this thing has been portrayed. Yes, um, that the four the the four week narrative got out there, right. and it's clearly not four weeks. Um, yeah, so, but I, like, I'm, it's been more I, like nine or ten weeks at this point. So it's yeah. yeah. So I'm going to operate under assumption that he is coming back at some point here after the All Star break, and then it's just going to be fascinating to see. Is it a reset? Is it a new team, and he has to figure it out? I think it's going to be fascinating as they're hey as they're fighting for you know playoff positioning in this crowded Western Conference right. field because you can, as you see you can go from four to ten yeah in a couple in a couple one days. or two games yeah yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, trade deadline is a week from Thursday. That will be another interesting point. Who stays? Who goes? Is it kind of a quiet deadline? Do they kind of are they kind of stuck and not going to make anything major happen right now? We'll see. Um, we'll see what happens, and we will be there to talk about it as always. Uh, Chip, appreciate the time as always. Um, anything else? Anything else going on that you want to plug? Yeah, so we have a uh, have a, a feature running this weekend. Uh, as of right now, we'll, we'll make sure it yes. still does. But uh, Sunday on one of the best basketball high school basketball players in this state in an unlikely location, the Iron Range, uh, a small town of Terry, uh, Cherry, Minnesota. Uh, the player's name is Isaac uh, Asuma. Uh, he's a junior. He has offers from the Gophers, Iowa, Iowa State, Nebraska, and is just a terrific, terrific point guard. I went out and uh, spent the day with his family and – Watched him play a game with Aaron Levinsky, our photojournalist, and uh, we'll have a nice feature on him and his family coming up. 
always look forward to your bigger stuff. And of course, whenever you are working with Aaron Levinsky, should be great stuff. So look for that, hopefully in this weekend's papers. Uh, Chip, appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, brother. Good stuff from Chip Scoggin. As always, looking forward to his story over the weekend. Always good when he and Aaron Levinsky pair up, like I said, a little while ago. So look for that in your Star Tribune and on StarTribune.com. Chip and I talked about the Vikings. We've talked a lot of Vikings this week. I'm going to talk a little bit more Vikings right now because I got an email from a longtime reader and listener, uh, podcast listener, Craig, who wants to know, he said, I'm a lifelong Vikings fan, proudly and with much frustration. Still has season tickets at U.S. Bank Stadium, even though he lives in L.A. right now. Um, He says the Access Vikings podcast helps keep him connected to the team. But he emailed me and said, my proposed topic is trading down in the draft. I'd love to hear your perspective and see some stats on whether it's an effective strategy. My instinct is that it's not. As we see over and over, it's a league driven by impact players, and if you can have a couple handfuls of them on rookie contracts, you're in great shape. So if I were the GM, I would rather have a few higher picks. I'd love to hear a show about this. Maybe we can dig deeper into this on Access Vikings in a month or two once we get closer to the NFL draft. For now, Craig, I would say this. I think it kind of depends on the situation. There's data that suggests trading down in the NFL draft is a good idea especially if you have a very, very high pick, which the Vikings don't have this year, by the way. They're they're down in the 20s. But when you have a very, very high pick, you can oftentimes extract a lot of value from that pick um, and get more value around the board. So it, it kind of goes both ways. kind of depends on what you need, and it often depends on how you end up drafting, what kind of impact you get out of those positions. Now, the Vikings are in an interesting position this year where they only have four draft picks a first-rounder, a third-rounder, a fourth-rounder, and a fifth-rounder. And they might be tempted to, because they're probably going to have a lot of holes on their roster, they might be tempted to you know, take that first-round pick and turn it into a couple of you know, high picks or decent picks still and, and add some more there, try to, try to beef, up their, their, beef up their draft class. Now they might add one or two picks in compensatory picks along the way. It might, it might get bigger already and they might you know might end up with with more picks than that especially if they make a trade is that the right idea I don't know depends on what you can get at that spot depends kind of on what your philosophy is but we saw Rick Spielman do it time and time again he'd trade down trade down accumulate those late round picks Quase Adolfo Mensa kind of followed that trend last year traded out of the number 12 spot all the way down to 32 to draft Lewis Seen was that a good idea we still don't really know Lewis Seen you know was injured in his rookie season, but he could still be a very good player. We'll find out about that. Philosophy-wise, I think it kind of depends on what you think, what you can make of those picks. I would say this. I don't think there's much value in trading down beyond pick number 100 or so. I think there's kind of a lot of value in in the draft up to about pick 100 usually, and after that, it starts to fall off. You're really not going to find a lot of players beyond that. You're going to get lucky sometimes. You're going to scout well. Someone's going to you know, be a late bloomer, something like that, develop later in life. But I think by and large, if you're trading down into the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, which was the complaint about Rick Spielman a lot, that's not too, um, that's not too advantageous. But if you're doing it and moving around the board, giving yourself a chance at more of those top 100 players, I think there is still some benefit to it, even if you are sometimes giving yourself less of a chance at those very, very high-impact players at the top. So... I guess the jury is probably still out. There is data, Craig, to say that maybe it's a good idea, but I think sometimes it's case by case. 
Let's finish with the cooler. It's going to be an interesting game for the Gophers women's basketball team Wednesday night against Indiana. Indiana, one of the top teams in the country, and they added Sarah Scalia. A Minnesota native, played for the Gophers early in her career for the first three years, transferred out of Minnesota essentially because she wanted to go play for a winner and compete for a championship. It's a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing because if she was still here, I'm sure the Gophers would have a much better chance at winning this year. But I don't think anybody's fooling themselves into thinking that this would be a team that's ranked in the top five of the country like Indiana is right now. So this is a case, I think, where the point I want to make is this is the kind of transfer you never would have seen before the transfer portal, I don't think. You wouldn't have seen someone leaving their hometown team, going to another Big Ten school, being eligible to play immediately and having this kind of impact with Indiana where she's you know, either been starting or being a key reserve for Indiana. She was a high-volume scorer with the Gophers, a good player for the Gophers, second team, all Big Ten. She would have helped them this year. This is the kind of player that typically would have stuck around at her school for all four years, his or her school, depending on whether we're talking about men's or women's sports. But now that the portal is here, different things are happening, and that is what has happened with the Gophers. It's going to be an interesting game to watch just to see the reception, see how this all goes. I'm sure it'll be cordial and everything like that, but I'm sure deep down this one really hurt Lindsey Whalen and the Gophers, and that's one they wish they could have had back. And it's just like she said, the way that things go in college basketball with the portal these days. And that is it for me today. That's it for me for the week. Like I said, at at the start of the show, taking a couple days off. Back at it Monday with Royce. Enjoy your long break from Daily Delivery. But don't make it too long. Come back on Monday. catch Catch up on any shows you missed. And we'll see you in a few days.